Good morning, everybody. Today is Dalit Elul Tovshin Pei Beis, is the 96th yard site of Rav Meir Simcha Ben Rav Shimshin Kloinim is Hakoyen Midvinsk, Dar Sameach the Meshechachma. The life and Torah of our leaders, Rav Meir Simcha Midvinsk, I gave two years ago, right before I got onto Torah anytime. In fact, the next shear on the Tais Vizyantiv was the first shear that was posted on Torah anytime two years ago, Baruch Hashem. And I am posting now, today, on the yard site of Rameir Simcha, the shear I gave two years ago. As you will hear, I gave that shear the day after on Hey Elul. Tomorrow, Bez Hashem, will be the Meshachach Mashir that will be Lila Nishmasai. But I don't want today to go by, the day of his yard site, without saying a short Vart Lilu Nishmasai before the recording of his life begins. And in this week's Parsha, in Parsha Shaiftim, we have again the Parsha of Ir Miklot. And it says that if someone kills Bishaygeg by mistake, so he runs to the Ir Miklot. And Rameir Simcha points out, that it doesn't say here in Parsha Shoftim how long the Reitzeach remains there. In Parsha's Masay, when the Torah talked about it, the Torah said he's there until the death of the Kayin Gadol. And here the Torah does not say it. And the question is why? So the first Chiddush Rameir Simcha says is that the Torah wants to tell us that Misas Kayan Gadol is not integral to Galus. Meaning, one might have said, if it's impossible for the Kayan Gadol to die, as we'll see in a moment, maybe the Reitzeach does not go into Galus. For example, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Ha'ire Kayan Gadol, someone who kills a Kayan Gadol, Oy Kayan Gadol Shaharag, Eina Yaitze Misham Lailam. He does not go out forever. Why? L'chaira. How could someone be stuck in Galus forever? Isn't there a shear at Mois HaKayin HaGadol? And if you remember, in a Meshachach Mashir, in Parshas Matas Masay, we said a Meshachach that says there always has to be hope, a hope that you'll get out any single day. And yet over here, the guy is going to be there forever. So says Rameir Simcha, the fact that the Torah here in Parshas Shoftim does not talk about the Reitzach ever leaving the Ir Miklat, Chazal understood that there are situations where he will be there forever because Misas Kayin Gadol is not an Iker in Galus. You could have Galus without the Misas Kayin Gadol. And he takes it so far as if to say, the Gemara says, how do we know that? Because it says, Lanus Shama Ko Afilu Kayin Gadol. So the Pashib Shat in the Gemara is that the Gemara is learning from Kol Reitzeach. Kol is always a Ribui. Any Reitzeach, including a Kayin Gadol. Says Rameir Simcha, that's not the Kavana of the Gemara. The Gemara is learning it from the fact that it says, Lanus Shamal Kol Reitzeach, and does not say, Ad Mois HaKayin HaGadol. Lanus Shamal Kol Reitzeach is the end of the Pasuk. It doesn't say, that 
the Kayin, he stays there at Mois HaKayin HaGadol. And the fact that the Torah left it out is showing us there are situations where he will be there even though there's no Misas Kayin HaGadol. That's his first Pshat. But his second Pshat, he says, a Meridika Pshat. And this is something he says other places as well, in Parshas Chukas, a similar, in the beginning of Chukas, a similar Machshava. And he brings the Gemara in Shvuis. The Gemara in Shvuis says that there's a Mishnah there. Um, and the Gemara says that when a person is reading a Mishnah, the mission over there talks about different curses. Yakha Hashem, Hashem will smite you. So the Gemara says that Rav Kahana was sitting in front of Rabbi Yehuda, and he was saying over the Mishnah, Yakha Hashem. And Rabbi Yehuda says, "Don't don't direct it to me. Hashem should hit me. So you should say Kane. In other words, you should say it as someone else. Hashem should hit somebody else." So then the Gemara brings another story. One of the Rabbanu was sitting in front of Kahana and he was saying a Pasuk and tell him, And it was talking about destroying people, destroying Rishayim. So he said to him, Don't say that Hashem is going to Say you should say It's about a different person. So the Gemara says, why is there two stories? Because to tell you that not only when you're saying over a Mishnah, even if the Mishnah's Lashon is, Yakcha Hashem, Hashem should smite you, but you should be very careful. Change the Lashon of the Mishnah. Don't direct it at someone. Say it in third person about someone else. And not only a Mishnah, even a Pasuk. Even a Pasuk, you have to be careful not to direct it to someone in front of you. Say it about a third person. So Zakhtar Meir Simcha, in Sefer Dvarim, Chazal tell us, Moshe Rabbeinu was saying it mi piatzmai. It wasn't the same Shechina medaberes mitachgroinai, it was more personal of Moshe Rabbeinu saying. So if Moshe Rabbeinu is talking here, and he's telling Klaius all the Torah, and he's telling them, you're going to stay here until the Kayan Gadol Elazar dies. So basically, he's standing in front of Elazar and saying about Elazar that he's going to die. The Ritzah is going to stay there until you, Elazar, the Kayin Gadol, die. This is not proper. That's the Lush of Ramir Simcha. It's not proper. It's not proper to say in front of Elazar Kayin Gadol, Ad Mois, until you die. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it at all. Teaching us the Midas here. The Midas of Moshe Rabbeinu, how careful he was. Even though he was saying a halacha. And everybody knows the halacha. According to this pshat, avada there's Mises Kayin Gadol. And everybody knows the halacha. But for Moshe Rabbeinu to say it on his own, in front of everybody, the Ritzach will stay there until you, the Kayin Gadol, Elazar dies, Zeloinois. These are not the proper Midas. So in this Meshachachma, you see a Lamdishavart that he says here, and you see a Midaistikavart. And that's who Rameir Simcha was. Rameir Simcha was a Goin in Lamdus, a Goin in being Medaik in the Pasuk, and he was a Goin in Midais, in Neimus, in, in Menschlichkeit, so to speak. And here you see that in this Pasuk. Look up the Meshachachma, Yochap Hanoi yourself. It should be Le'ilu Nishmasai. Bareinu Harav, Rab Meir Simcha, Bram Shimshin Kleinim is Hakayin, who's buried in Devins, because you all well know, I was Eicha to be there a few years ago. Schusa Yagen Aleinu Valkal Yisrael, today on his yard site, 
and he should be a Melitz for Gans Kla Yisrael. Enjoy the life and Torah of our leaders, Rameir Simcha Kayin Midvinsk. Call to everyone. Okay, Baruch Hashem, thank you. Okay. Okay, good morning everyone, Baruch Hashem. It's good to be back after a few weeks Ben Azmanim. And to continue our share, the life and Torah of our leaders. And today we're going to talk about Rav Meir Simcha HaKoyen Midvinsk, known as the Arsameach, the Meshachachma, whose 94th yard site was yesterday, Dalit Elul. To me, the challenge today is not what to say, is what not to say. Because my those who listen to my shiurim and know me, I've been learning Baruch Hashem and focusing on the Meshachachma now for coming up on 20 years, almost, uh, you know, week in, week out. For at least 16 or, first 16 or 17, it was every shtickle, every parsha. It's shvachined uh, up a little bit the last few years, but still... I attempt every week to go through the Meshachachmas and Rameir Simcha and his Tyran Meshachachma was a big part of what I shared with my listeners, my Mispalim. So it's a, it's a, it's an, a chash of a shir for me today. And Baruch Hashem, last year I was Zaycha to be in Dvinsk at Rameir Simcha's kever in, uh, in, uh, in, in the Beis Achayim in Dvinsk. That was a very big emotional and schus uh, for me to be there. So Rameir Simcha Koyen, it starts with his grandfather. His grandfather's name was Reb Chananya HaKoyen. He was a Talmud of the Rebbe Rabbi Yenis in Ibshitz. In the uh, title page of the Arsameach, which Rameir Simcha printed, when he writes, Ben, his father, we'll talk about it in a moment, Ben, Rav Chananya, he calls him HaGoyen HaMefursam Midoray, the Goyen who's well-publicized in his generation. So, obviously, he was someone very chashuv. And Rameir Simcha quotes him in Arsameach, in a, a famous piece in Arsameach, in Hilchas Tshuva, where he talks about um, Yediyah and Bechira, the concept Hashem knows everything, yet we still have free choice. Very long piece in Arsameach there. And he quotes his grandfather um, there in that shtickle. Um, and also he quotes him in Parshas B'Shalach in Meshachachma. And I want to share with you this piece from Rav Hananya, and because it's one of um, many, one of my many favorite pieces that the Meshachachma quotes. And it's on the word Oisei Fela. We say every day in Davening in the Oz Yashir, Hashem performed a Pela, a wonder. And the Medrash says that, the Pasuk says, that talking about when Mashiach's going to come, Hashem says, I'm going to show you wonders like I did when you went out of Mitzrayim. So Rav Hananya said, what's a Pele? How do you translate what's the uh, gather of a Pele? So he said a mushal. The mushal is that, he says, when they invented the telegraph, the telegraph was something that was a pella. It was something that was unheard of before, beyond anyone's imagination, the concept of instant communication. I could be typing something here, and someone else gets the message immediately. Till then, you went with Pony Express. That's a pella, something brand new, unimaginable. He says when they invented the telephone, the chachma of the telephone is far greater than the telegraph. 
He says, but the telephone was no longer a Pella. Because communication existed in the world. The concept existed. We just made it in a better, much more, much better way. But it wasn't a Pella. He says, the Nisim, the miracles Hashem performed when we went out of Mitzrayim, were a Pella. No, no one dreamt of them. It was beyond anyone's imagination. Oisei Fela. Hashem made a Pella. Like the telegraph. He says that you might think that the miracles that will happen when Mashiach is going to come, they're not a Pella. We already know from miracles. We know from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. There'll be greater miracles, but it'll be like the telephone compared to the t- telegraph. Much greater, but not a Pella. Says Hashem, you're making a mistake. I'm going to show you Nifla Ois. When Mashiach's going to come, you think you know anything about miracles? With all the imagination you could come up with, with everything you know about the Makais and all that, and you stretch your imagination to the end, then is where it's going to start the miracles that I'm going to do. There are going to be a Pella Nifla Ois. They're not going to be the telephone compared to the telegraph. It's going to be a new telegraph, a new Pella. That is the uh, the vart that Rameir Simcha brings Bishem, his grandfather, in Parshas Bishalach. His father was Reb Shimshin Kleinimis Hakayin. In the title page of our Sameach, he calls him Harav Hamafursam. The, the Rav who is pu- pu- well known, publicly known. And in Meshachachma, he brings him three times in Bereshis. In uh, Shmais and in Parsha Zacharemais, uh, he quotes from his father, Divrei Torah. His father lived in a city called Baltrumnitz. It's south uh, Lithuania, a little bit south of Vilna. His father was a businessman who was very matzliach, he was successful. And uh, even though he calls him Harav HaMafursam, he was a Chashavitam HaChacham, but he was a wealthy businessman, and his house was well known to be open uh, to for Achnas Azarchim and for Chesed. Many Aniyim and Talmidah Chachamim would stay in his home. And for a while he hosted the Rav of Tikton, the Maram Tikton was one of the G'dayli Hadar. And he hosted him in his house for many months. And before the Maram Tikton left his house, he gave Rameir Simcha's father, Reb Shimshin Kleinim Esabracha, that he'll have a child who will light up the eyes of Kla Yisrael with his Torah. Meir Ene Yisrael B'Tayrasai. At the same time in that city in Lita, their hometown, the, the Rav of the city had a lot of problems from the Balabatim. There were a lot of very strong Balabatim there who didn't like him, and they didn't pay him, and Hipashi was starving. And Reb Shimshin Kleinim is his wife, Rameir Simcha's mother, her name was Osnas, so she decided to support the Rav, and in a very sneistic way, she would give all the money and food and whatever they needed. And the Rav from Akaris Hatayv also gave them a bracha that they should have a child also who will light up Kla Yisrael. But he added in, and his parents will be happy with him. So in the year 1843, Tafresh Gimel, they had a child, and they named him Meir Simcha based on the two brachas. Meir that will light up the eyes of Kla Yisrael, like the Rav of Tikton and the Rav of the city said, and Simcha, like the Rav of the city added, that he'll bring Simcha to his parents, to his parents. That's why it was called Meir Simcha. Meir Simcha, Meir Simcha was an Eloi as a child. He was known as a wonder child at the age of three already. They were talking all about him. 
Um, by the age of seven, he was already a Bucky in all of Tanakh. His father was his first Rebbe. By the age of nine, he knew the whole Seder Nezikin, Gemara, Rashi, and Taisvis, and half of Seder Nashim, Gemara, Rashi, Taisvis. And by the time he was ten years old, he was already learning on his own, and that was it. He was off. And um, he would sit in the base medrash of the city, and Mamish learned Yoimam Valayla. With it well known, this child learned Yoim Valayla. Um, in fact, that he had issues with his feet. He had wounds on his feet. And because of that, he would have to like scratch his feet. And what he would do is he would rub them against the dirt floor in the base medrash. And eventually there was a hole under the place where he sat um, when he was a child, learning. And for years after that, the Ziknei Ho'ir, the elders of the city, would show people, this is where Rameir Simcha sat as a child, and you could still see the hole that he made from rubbing um, his feet against the floor. Um, Rabbi Yitzchuk Perman, you're all Philadelphians. My Rebbe, 11th grade Rebbe, I learned in Philadelphia Yeshiva for seven years. My 11th grade Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchuk Perman, said over, B'Shem Rav Ruderman, Zechrein Levracha, that in Lita they used to say, when he was young, that there's a young boy who's growing up to be Nacha Vilner Gain. To be another Vilna Gain, that's they used to, you know, the Iluy of Vilna, of Lita was the Vilna Gain. They used to say there's this child who is going to vaccise to be Nacha Vilna Gain. Um, Reb Yitzchak Perman also said over, B'Shem, Reb Shmuel Leib Shvei, Reb El Yisvei, the Reshiva Zatzal, his father, Reb Shmuel Leib, was a, uh, a resident of Dvinsk. He grew up in Dvinsk. He was born in Dvinsk. He grew up in Dvinsk. He was close with Rameir Simcha. So Rebellia has a son, Meir Simcha. Um, and he said that um, Rameir Simcha told him, told Reb Shmuel Leib Shvei, Rebellia's father, that when he was nine years old, um, they brought him to Vilna. As a child, they brought him to Vilna, and they brought him be to, be to the uh, great Gain of Vilna, Rabbi Tzalel HaKayin. He was one of the Dayanim of Vilna. If you remember from Rabbi Chaim, when we talked to Rabbi Chaim Oizer, there was no Rav in Vilna for many years. And, um, but the Mites, they used to call him, the Meirat Tzedek, one of the Dayanim was Rabbi Tzalel HaKayin. He has Haggais in the back of the Gemara, Rabbi Tzalel HaKayin from Vilna. If you look in the back of, the, of your Gemaras, the Vilna Shas, there's a little Haggais from him there. And Rabbi Tzalel had just written a long tshuva. He had just finished writing it, and he wanted to, like, humor the child. So he gave him the tshuva, and he said, Nu, what do you think about this tshuva? Rameir Simcha was nine years old. He read through it, and he said that, uh, I think you forgot a Gemara. And Rabbi Tzalel Kain got very upset, and he said, you know, I didn't really ask for critique. I was just, like, humoring you by giving you the tshuva to look at. I didn't really ask for a real ha'ara. And while he was saying that, a Gemara fell into his mind. He remembered the Gemara, and he said to Rameir Simcha, is this the Gemara you meant? Because the Gemara was actually a contradiction to the tshuva, to the, uh, the Shtikotar that he wrote. And he said, yeah. So he got up from his chair, he ran over to this nine-year-old child, and he kissed him on the head um, for, for, for uh, who he was. So that was, that was Rameir Simcha. When he, after his bar mitzvah, his father brought him to the city of Aishashok, um, which we spoke about a different time um, with Reb Chaim Oiz, we spoke about it as well and there was an ear full of Tamid Chachamim and he brought him there to learn and he sat and he learned over there um, for a few years and when he was 17 years old 
he married Chaya, Rebetzin Chaya, the daughter of a very wealthy fellow named Rebetzvi Paltiel Makovsky, who was from the city of Bialystok. Bialystok was also an Irvaim Israel, and he was from that city. He was he supported his son-in-law, and the Rebetzin also, Rebetzin Chaya also, was involved in business and was matzliach and also was able to support her husband. Rameir Simcha is a joke, so to speak, a joke of, of Tamid Chachamim. On the play of words, it says, the Gemara Tainus tells us, Mandi Yoiv Chayi Yoiv Mizoyne. The one who gives life gives food. Hashem who gives life will provide food. So he used to say, Mandi Yoiv Chayi, the one who gives life, meaning my, my wife Chaya, she's Chaya, Yov Mizaini, she gives me, she provides food for me. He used to say that that's, that's how he supported. His wife, on the other hand, who was also a big Bucky in Tanakh, Nutel and Baalpeh, she used to say that it says, Kol tashlichu, All sons, meaning the men, should go into the Yam Shel Taira, into the sea, to the ocean of Taira. And if you ask how they'll be supported, the Kol Habas his wife should support him. So that's how she saw her role as supporting her husband in Taira. Um, Bialystok, as we said, was an Irvaim Yisrael, full of Tamid Chachamim, and Rameir Simcha, um, he he parked himself, so to speak. He made his place in a Beis Hakneses, a shul that was called the Beis Hamedrash Gemilas Chasadim. There were a lot of takanas to be bar, part of this Beis Medrash that you had to be part of shiurim. You had to do certain things. You had to sign up for a whole program, and um, he was he was part of this Beis Medrash. His brother-in-law, another son-in-law of Rav Tzvi Paltiel, his name was Rav Lifshitz, um, would show. Years later, he would show in this Bismedrish of Gamil's Chasadim, he would say that my brother-in-law, Rameir Simcha, learned in this Bismedrish for 18 years, 18 hours a day, V'talmudai biyadai. V'talmudai biyadai was a, also a play on words that, you know, your learning is in your, at your fingertips. But what he meant to say was, Rameir Simcha's minig was, he would hold his Gemara or whatever Sefer he was learning, and he would walk around the Bismedrish learning the Sefer. He was actually holding the Talmud, holding the Gemara in his hand. That's how he used to learn Be'iun Rav in this Bismedrish. Um, I have an uncle, in, in, in my wife's uncle in Cedarhurst, the Oshav Kalashina Rebbe of David Spiegel, so Zayin Gazutin Stark, and he told me that I think it was in his brother's shul in Long Beach, from Spiegel from Long Beach, there was an old man who remembered Rameir Simcha. He was a kid, but he remembered Rameir Simcha from Dvinsk. And he described how Rameir Simcha used to learn. The old, this man described, my uncle did it for me as well, and he would say he had a Gemara open in front of him, and he would have his finger on the place, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And he used to talk to him, so to speak, talk out loud, and he would say, Rashi! Why did you say this and this? A few pages before, you said something different. You're contradicting yourself. And then he would say, Oh, Rashi, probably what you meant is like this. And he would say the Teretz. Mamish as if he was talking to the Rishonim. That's how he would, he w- he would learn. Uh, that's how he, uh, Rameir Simcha would learn. The Svarim in this Bismedrish was full of Svarim all around the walls. All the Svarim were full of Ha'aras that Rameir Simcha wrote on the side of, of the Sfarim as he went through the Sfarim um, of the Shul. There were many Rabbanim in Bialystok at the time through those 18 years. One of the big Rabbanim at the time was um, the Oinig Yantif. 
The Oynig Yantif was from the Gedali Adar, and Rameer Simcha used to talk to Latim in learning, and Rameer Simcha actually would argue a lot on his Psakim. And anytime he would ask a question, the Oynig Yantif refused to talk to him in learning. It was interesting. So they asked the Oynig Yantif, why didn't you answer him? He's a young man, you're the Gadol Adar, you're the Rav. So he said, he would say, until, he says, right now Rameir Simcha thinks that I'm a Ama Aretz. If I would start talking to him and learning, he would make a, be able to make a shvua. He would be able to make an oath that I'm a Ama Aretz. I don't need him to know definitively that I'm a Ama Aretz. That was the Anivas of Anigyantiv. Many years later, the Anigyantiv's grandson came to Dvinsk and he brought the Chuvas Oynig Yantif to Mer Simcha. Mer Simcha said, I didn't realize what a Goin, I knew he was big, but I didn't realize how big he was. And he went back to Bialystok, or he was anyways going back to Bialystok, and he went to the Beis HaKvaris with a minion to ask Mechila from the Oynig Yantif. They didn't treat him with proper COVID when he was the Rav. He was in Bialystok for about 23 years, that's when he wrote most of Meshachachma, as, as we'll see uh, when we'll talk about that later. And when he, each, and he reached the age of 40, um, he, was, um, he was asked by the city of Dvinsk to be the Rav. The city of Dvinsk, um, which uh, is now in Latvia, is named after the river. There's a river there. You spell it in D A U G A V A Dagva. I think you you pronounce it. And um, in uh, in now in 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 Latvian you spell Dvins D A U G A U P I L S. I think it's Dogpils. You pronounce it. And basically, the city is named after the river. There's many, if you you know, if you look on Wikipedia, you'll find many different names to the city and the river as the as the as the um, the uh, nationality of the area changed. There was different countries, so with different there were different languages, and the and the river got a new name based on whether it was a Lithuanian, was Russian, Belarusian, whichever it was. So the name of the city also changed Kafi, what the uh, name of the river was. Tvinsk was the Yiddish name that they referred to as um, of the city. Earlier it was called um, Donberg, um, Donenberg. I think. Um, and the rub before that was Reuven Dannenberger, was the rub before that. Liflagois Reuven, I think he wrote. And when he was Nifter, so Rabyankel Kharif, who is was Rabyakov Yosef, the chief rabbi of later on the first chief rabbi of New York, was giving a haspid on the on the uh, on Reuven Dannenberger, who was the Gada Adar or one of the G'dayli Adar, and he said that there is, his replacement is sitting in Bialystok, his name is Rameir Simcha. And at the Hespid, that's what he said, and um, the Beis Halevi, and also um, the Rabbi Shuleib Diskin son, Rabbi Yitzchak Yerucham Diskin, also pushed that Rameir Simcha should become the Rav of, um, of Dvinsk. So in 1888, in the month of Nisan, Tafresh Memches, Rameir Simcha became the Rav of Dvinsk. He was about 40 years old. In those days, the Rabbanim didn't speak a lot on Shabbos. They spoke Shabbos Shuva, Shabbos Hagadol. But Parshas Bechu Kaisai, one of the first Shabbosas that he was there, um, Rameir Simcho gave a drasha, and it's, they, they, they have um, they have reporters from the reports from the local newspapers, the Yiddish newspapers, reporting on the drasha. That not only did he say Divrei Torah, which of course Rabbanim say, 
but also he talked about Sarchei Ha'ir, which was an uncommon thing, I guess, or a less common thing to talk about. He talked about taking care of the poor. He talked about fixing up the schools, the Talmud Torah. He took the rich people to task for not standing up and 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 uh, taking care of the of the school and the building. He said we have to make organizations lechem evyonim for poor people, soimich noiflim for people who need help. And he ended off and he said, the problem is that in the cities, people, most people say, you know, there's a few gaboim, there's a few individuals, they'll take care of everything. And he says it's not good, it has to be a communal effort, everyone has to get together. And um, it made a very big reishim on everyone, to, he's united the kehila. In, in Dvinz, there were two separate kehilas. There was the Hasidic kehila and the non-Hasidic kehila. So, Rabbi Simcha is the rub, so to speak, of the non-Hasidic kehila. The rub of the Hasidic kehila, which was mostly Chabad in that area, was the Ragachover. The Ragachover is a Chrayna Levracha. And the two of them, the Ragachover, he was originally from a city called Ragachov, and Rabbi Simcha, they put Dvinsk on the Torah map, so to speak, the two Gedolim. They they were they 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 both you know um, held of each other very strongly. They were very very different. The Ragachover was known to be very very sharp and 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 um, and brusque, so to speak. And Rameir Simcha was very calm and he was very pleasant. Um, there's a lot of different stories how they complemented each other in their in 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 their anhaga, so to speak. One one famous story. <clears throat> is that once a lady who had a problem on Shabbos, her baby wasn't nursing. Baby was crying and wouldn't nurse from her. So she went to the Ragachover. And the Ragachover like just heard it and he said, Ah, oh, go away, it's a it's a buffet shalmi. And he sent her off. And she didn't know what to do. She walked out, she was in the street. And I think she re- met Rav Mishkovsky, Zechraina Levracha, who asked her what's going on. And she told him what happened. He says, you know, I'm going now to Rameir Simcha. Let, let's go to him and we'll see what he says. And Rameir Simcha heard and he smiled and he said, it's a, the Taisis in Bavakama brings Yerushalmi that if you have an axe that gores on Shabbos, it's not a muad to gore during the week. Because on Shabbos he doesn't recognize the people because they're dressed differently. So he doesn't know who his owner is, he doesn't know all the people he's used to seeing. So he, because they're dressed differently, so if he becomes a muad for Shabbos, you don't have to worry during the week he's not a muad. That's Taisus being Yerushalmi. So basically, he was telling her that since on Shabbos you're dressed differently, you're wearing your shaytel, you're wearing your Shabbos clothes, your baby doesn't recognize you. So Mela, she doesn't want to. He doesn't want to nurse. So go change into your regular clothes. You'll see the baby will nurse. So that was what the Ragachover meant. It's a befeirish Yerushalmi. So he answered the question, but he didn't really, you know, help this woman. Rameir Simcha was able to fill in, and many, many stories like that. They were marich each other very much. They fought mamish and learning, and any. Russia, one would give, the other would hack in, but Lamaisa, they were from the closest Yedidim, Rameir Simcha and the Ragachover. First World War came, they wanted Rameir Simcha to leave the city, Rameir Simcha refused, he said every bullet and every bomb has an address. Later on in, in history, the stipler Zechrein of Racha used this in one of his letters in a certain situation, he said, it's Yadua, the Rameir Simcha says, you can't run away from fate. Every bullet has its address, every bomb has its address, and, you know, you, you can't run away. I'm not saying it halacha lamaisa, but this is what the stipler said for Rameir Simcha. As it, it continued the war, most of the city left. Of course, there were poor people, you know, Aniyim, who couldn't leave and nowhere to go. 
And Rameir Simcha said, and Kolzman, there's people here, there's Aniyim, I'm not leaving. His Lashon was, if there's nine people here, I'll be the tenth um, for, for the minion. Um, he was an unbelievable pikeach. He was able to see the future, to see how things are going to happen. During the war, they came up with an idea. Since all the little villages around, you know, a lot of little Jewish villages had Sifrei Taira, they were afraid that these villages will be overrun. And who knows what's going to happen to Sifrei Taira. So they came up with an idea, let's gather all the Sifrei Taira from the villages and bring it to the capital city, St. Petersburg. And we'll bring it there and it'll be for safekeeping in St. Petersburg. What's going to be? Who's going to, what's going to be in the capital city? They won't overrun the capital city. And Rebbeir Simcha said, B'shumay fenat, Klai Yisrael never puts, so to speak, all its eggs in one basket. You always have to have people in different places. He says, you can't put all Sifritera in one place. And he was taka right, because it turned out the St. Petersburg was taken over by the communists. They closed the shul and took all the Sifritera. And the, and, and the rest of uh, Latvia, all these places, remained under Polish rule. And they had all the Sifritera, all the villages. If they would have done, like the, like the other people said, all the Sifritera would have been stuck in Russia, and nobody would have had Sifritera. So he was a, a pikeach who understood, and he was a roya, um, as in 1896, the city of Yushalayim, Reb Shmuel Salant, was getting old and they wanted him a Malamakam. They offered him the Rabbanus and he thought about taking it. The city of Dvinsk was up in arms and they wrote a letter of Macha, like a chutzpah of, the, of Yushalayim, to even try to offer our Rav um, of, um, you know, the Rabbanus. They were very upset about it. Rameir Simcha was a goin in Chinuch. Throughout Meshachachma, you see numerous places where he talks about Chinuch. He understood things. He understood the Dar. For example, in Parshas Nitzavim, he talks about, um, he talks about um, uh, Klai Yisrael being judged, the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, the different um, Mishalim of how we're judged on Rosh Hashanah, like sheep, or like going up a, um, a, a steep incline, or like Hayalis, based David. So he says over there that the difference between new and old is greater than the difference between min vishe'enai minai. You find by certain things there's different species in halacha, min vishe'enai minai. They're opposites from each other. But then there's the same thing, but one's new and one's old. One's from this year, one's from last year. So Mayor Simcha said, we see now today, the new generation is totally different than the older generation. And you have to remember the times, communism, uh, uh, socialism, Zionism, a lot of isms going on. There was a lot going on in Kla Yisrael. The new generation was going off the derech. And Mayor Simcha said, we see that. And in another place in Parshas Emmer, he talks about teaching Emuna. You can't just rely on Midas Taivas. He says, if you don't have Emuna, a person could become like a wild animal. A wild animal. There's no such thing if you don't have Emuna and Hashem. There's no such thing as just being civil. There's no such thing as having manners. Even what we call has to be infused with Emuna and Hashem. That's the only way it'll be Kayim. Um... In Parshas Pinchas, he talks about, he says, if a child sees that his father is not so careful with what we would call kalos, easy mitzvahs, or light averas, the father's not so nizer, 
then the sun is going to be not Nizr and Chamurois. As we know, every generation pushes a little bit more. And if, and, and um, in that shtickle, he can't go through it now, but unbelievable shtickle where he talks about where parents try to lower themselves to the level of their children. Children aren't, you know, doing the mitzvahs properly, so the parents also try to do that to make a connection. And he talks about that, the psychology of, of it. It's, it's a fascinating piece. Ramer Simcha talked about that. Um, in this week's Parsha, he talks about how every generation wants to improve on the generation before. It's, it's a mido, you want to be mitzayin, because you want to be special. And he talks about that in Parsha's Bechukaisei as well, as we will talk about that in a few minutes, and one of his most famous pieces is based on the understanding that every generation wants to be special and improve on the things from the generation from before. These are just some examples. Um, he had an unbelievable memory, unbelievable memory, and yet, um, if you if you saw the picture that Rabbi Greenspan had on his status of Rameir Simcha, you'll see the famous picture of Rameir Simcha. His finger is in the Gemara, like holding the space of the Gemara. And Rameir Simcha, there was once a story. A Talmud came to him; he was very old, and started talking to him and learning. And Rameir Simcha told him, "I have a notebook right there. Take it out and look at it." I wrote about this 30 years ago. And the Talmud took it out and Rameir Simcha was able to say verbatim, um, word for word, what was written in the notebook. That's how, from 30 years earlier. Then they took out a Gemara and Rameir Simcha was holding this big Gemara and they're learning. And a lady came to ask a Shaila. And Rameir Simcha walked into the other room to listen to the Shaila, holding the big Gemara with his finger on the place, holding his finger on the place. And when he came back in the room, the Talmud said, I understand. Chidushim from 30 years earlier, you remember Balpeh, you remember by heart. Why do you have to hold your place on the Gemara? You can be back in two minutes. You'll... And he looked at him, he says, Chazal, tell us, Hatif if you just blink, if you just blink, you, 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 you're distracted for a moment, you lose it. Chazal mean that. And that means to say, I don't want to put, take my finger off the place. And that's why in that picture, he has his finger still in the Gemara. That's when I, I gave out once that picture in a, a learning program, and our shul, we call it Kalan Arim, other places call it Avasubanim. I gave out that picture and I said over this story, we have to realize you can't be Mesiach Das, even with the greatest memory from learning. Unbelievable Bekiyos. Um Again, there's so much to talk about Rameir Simcha. His Avas HaTayra, he loved Tayra so much. Um, his so what are his svarim? His svarim is one called Ar Sameach on the Rambam that he printed while he was alive. The Meshachachma, he wrote most of Meshachachma when he was 18 years old. Rav Dom, there was a Yid in, in Kiryat Sefer, his name is Rav Dom, and he put out, he has the Ksav Yad, he has the manuscript of the Meshachachma, copies of them. And um, he put out volumes of the Meshachachma. I have a Shaykhis with him, I speak to him on the phone you know, every once in a while. And um, he has the dates that's written. Rameir Simcha didn't write it in order of Chumash. He wrote Shtiklach. And uh, he wrote dates next to them. And eventually they were put together in the order of Chumash. And most of them he wrote when he was 18 years old. Meshachachma is full of Lamdas, is full of Bikiyas, is full of Pshat, is full of Kabbalah. has everything in there. And most of it he wrote when he was 18, even though he added things in later, later in life. But most of it he wrote when he was 18. 
um, he never printed it because when he was going to print it, they told him, his father or his grandfather told him, different versions of the story, that if you print a Jerusha Sefer, a Chumash Sefer, as your first Sefer, people aren't going to take you seriously later on when you, when you want to put out your Halachas, your Lamdas, or anything like that. They'll think you're a Darshan, so don't put it out. So he never printed it. And but he used to he used to this was the the the, the uh, this was his his prized possession certain gedolim he would show it to them and they were nispal from it from the meshachachma um, and when the arsameach came out on the rambam they weren't impressed they said this doesn't come to the meshachachma it doesn't come to the meshachachma doesn't do Rav Meir Simcha justice the way the meshachachma does. Um, when uh, at the end of his life he was putting together the 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 Meshachachma to be printed, and uh, it wasn't printed till after he was nifter by his Talmud, the Riga Rav, the Rav of Riga, Rav Zak, Rav Zaks. Um, he Rameir Simcha said himself at the end of his life that when I'm old I was able to um, I'd be able to write Ar again, but I couldn't write a Meshachachma again. I had to do that when I was young. A few days before he was nifter, he said. I didn't come to this world to write Ar Sameach. The world could have survived with Ar Sameach. I came here to write the Meshachachma. This is something that the world needs, the Meshachachma. Uh, the Meshachachma, many G'daylam said, was written with Ruach HaKodesh. Rebchatzka Abramsky said, in Vayigash is a shtickle about Golis that's written by Ruach HaKodesh. The stipler said the whole Sefer is written by Ruach HaKodesh. The famous piece is in Parshas Bechu Kaisai. Where again, he wrote this when he was 18 years old, so this is in the mid 1800s, um, 1860. The dates next to it, Rav Dom said he has the date next to this piece where he predicted that Europe's going to be destroyed. He predicted Churban Europe. Nobody was talking about it then. Maybe Rav Shamshim of Al Hirsch. Nobody was talking about that. It was it was it was a glorious time, late mid 1800s, and he was already predicting Chayshvin ki Berlin Yerushalayim is his famous words. But that's one snippet out of an unbelievable piece there, and that's where he talks about every generation wants to improve on the generation before. And if they don't have an outlet in Ruchnius to do it, so then they start making changes in Yiddishkeit. And that's why they want to improve. We don't need the Taira, we don't need Kashras, we don't need Shechita. To them it's an improvement. And if you don't channel that desire to improve and be special properly, Chas v'shalom, you go off the derech. And um, he, he predicted Churban Europe and all the G'daylam said, of course, that that was written with Ruach HaKodesh because, you know, like I said, it was written in the mid-1800s. In the mid 1800s. In 1922, there's a famous, famous story. Rav Dome, actually, this Rav Dome was once in a taxi in, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. And he, 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 the, the driver had an accent. He says, you sound like a Lithuanian, like a Litvak. Where are you from? He says, yeah, I'm from Lita. So he says, you ever heard of Rav Meir Simcha? He looked at him, he says, how does a Sabra like you know from Rav Meir Simcha? He says... Take a plane to Dvinsk and ask any poyer, any farmer there, and he'll tell you the miracle, any Goyesha farmer, the miracle of Meir Simcha performed. Years later, they would talk about it. The, the river was one year, a very snowy year, and as the snow melted, the river was going to overflow and flood the entire town. And it was rising and rising, it was Mamash Sakana, and the, the Galachim, the priest went there to try to do some t- something, nothing helped. And they told it to Rameir Simcha, and it was a Shabbos morning, 
And he went after davening with his talus and the whole kahila came with him. He set up something there, probably a capital tillum or something, waved with his hand, and slowly the water started receding and it was an unbelievable Kiddush Hashem. Even the goyim and the, and the priest, everybody, the galochim, everybody talked about it. Rameir Simcha himself said, you know, I was lucky, it was normal for it to happen. He says, I happened to have good luck, I was mechaven as hasha. But it's a very famous story. We, we saw that river when we were there, we crossed the river. Very famous, famous story that they still, Vaistachais, talked about. Many years later, even the Goyim talked about how he saved, how he saved the city. Rameir Simcha only had one daughter, and um, her husband was a Rebavrom Luftever. He was called the Zerah Avram. He wrote a sefer together with Rav Nachum Zemba. He's buried in Warsaw. I was at his kever in Warsaw, right outside the Chemda Shleimah's kever. She was sick her whole life, Rameir Simcha. She was in Rameir Simcha's house. Um, and Rameir Simcha took care of her. Rameir Simcha's Rebetzin was also not well. He took care of her as well. And um, he had a lot of, he had a hard life, Rameir Simcha, in that way. I think he once said that if I wouldn't have to take care of, of, of my daughter and my wife, I could have grown up to be like the Rajba. I could have been like the Rajba. But um, in the year, in 1926, the summer of 1926, Tafresh Pevav, his rabbits in Chaya was Nifter, and before they buried her, he whispered, he said, Chaya, don't worry, within the year I'll be together with you. And about a month after that, and I'm sorry, and then, interesting, he went to, back to the house and he took her dress from her closet to his closet, and he says, I'm being Mikhaim the mitzvah of Yorash, I saw, that I'm inheriting my wife. The mitzvah of inheriting my wife, so he took the dress from her closet to his closet to be Mikhaim the mitzvah. Um, he had already been not well for a few years, but about a month after that he got very sick, and they brought him to Riga, to, uh, to, to the hospital there, Rebbe Hanan was there and visited him and said, maybe we should send out telegrams to, to, to Klai Yisrael, to Davin. And he said the words of the Shunamis, No, I don't want to be publicized. I don't want to stand out. If you stand out, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at you. Who are you to stand out? I want to be B'Saych Ami. The word did get out. However, on Lel Shabbos, Parsha Shoiftim, Dalit Elul, Tof Reish, Peivov, he was Nifter in Riga. The city of Riga wanted him to be buried there, but the Rav Paskin that he belongs in Dvinsk, and they took him with a train. They were masked him in Riga. The train, they took a train. He had his own own uh, uh, train car that his Aran was in, went from the trip. It's about a two and a half hour drive from Riga to Dvinsk, um, west to east. And um, they took him on the train and all the little shtetlach on the way. They stopped and the Goyim, who was this person that everyone is mourning over, he was brought to Dvinsk and he was taka buried in the city of Dvinsk. Um, in the, I forgot which years, in the years of the Russians when they destroyed the old cemetery of Dvinsk. They moved him together with the Ragachov and a few others to where he is now in the new cemetery of Dvinsk. And uh, that is Rameir Simcha who left us. Um, the Ragachov was masked him. Many G'daylim were masked him. And that is Rameir Simcha, Kayim Dvinsk, the author of the Arsameach, the author of the Meshachachma. Baruch Hashem, we've said over a, a lot of Torah from him today. Again, yesterday was his yard site, and we should talk to Bizaycha that he should be a Melitzaycha for Gans Klai Yisrael. We should be Zaycha to the Gula Shleima, Bimherav Yamenu.